Welcome back to Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Alperon. You shall today, not pass. Very much yeah, that was very, that was epic. Man. That was just a taste of my vibrato. Don't, let's not get into it. Um, <laughs> with me today, I got my regular host. I got Matthew Aguilar here. What up? And I am not too Hollywood. Janelle, you are way too Hollywood. Look at your background. Janelle Wheeler's here with us. Hey, everybody. Definitely too Hollywood. But the man of the people is also back. We have Mr. Turn Up Charlie Ridgely with us today. What's going on, everybody? Somewhere there's an applause for that, but uh, we don't have the machine. Oh, that was my mom. Oh, nice. Hi, Mrs. Ridgely. Um, (laughs) Today we got a lot to talk about. Charlie's with us because uh, he's seen Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, so he's here to give us a lowdown. He also has his review up on comicbook.com. We also are going to talk about that Venom Let There Be Carnage trailer, Netflix's uh, Millar World debut, Jupiter's Legacy, we're having a special guest jump on to review Spiral from the Book of Saw. And we have new DC Marvel comics to talk about. And Matt gets to indulge his gamer side once yeah. again. Matt's agenda is still alive. So, right. yeah, I mean, it's a good geek-tastic smorgasbord we have for you today. So let's get right to it. We're going to start at the top talking about the Venom Mm. Carnage trailer. Venom. Are we going to get an Eminem remix? That's the most important. I mean, I hope. I hope so. I hope we get a. No, bring in, bring in somebody different. Like, bring in. You know, you did. No man, it's his thing. No, listen. Go full south with Carnage. Bring Yellow Wolf in to do the sequel. That's all I'm saying. We need Eminem and Yellow Wolf to make great stuff together. Slim Shady is the Venom word. Yeah. That'd be great. No, I'm yeah. saying a collab. You know, you have Venom from Eminem, you got Carnage from Yellow Wolf. Let them. Yeah, I mean, a dual thing. Let them do a one two. I mean, like a guilty conscience type thing. I mean, we haven't had one of those in a long time. Oh man. Yeah, we need. <laughs> yeah, we need one of those kind of like Venom. Oh, do NF? Hell yeah! Please yeah. give me that. I mean, and I mean, since the Freddy versus Jason, Fabulous and Jada Kiss, like, yeah, we we need another one of those collaborations. So I like that idea, Charlie. I mean, we're cooking here. So, guys, what did you think about the Venom Let There Be Carnage trailer? The internet uh, and people I talked to seem to be mixed reactions. I don't think it really moved anybody, like a single person, either way. Like, if you were into this franchise and enjoyed the first film for what it was, this feels like it was more of that. And, you know, you're, you're going to get more of what you got the first time. But if you didn't like the first one, including Woody Harrelson's Carnage, I don't think moved very many people. I think it moved people just in further in the directions that they already were leaning. Yeah, I mean, so like, America, right? Yeah, yeah so, I mean, like, uh, I loved Venom because of Tom Hardy's foolishness. Like, he went so hard into it, and like he knew the assignment, and it was awesome. And it seems like now the whole movie is that. Yeah. And that's amazing. And so I'm I'm so stoked. Yeah. And let me be clear too. Like Woody Harrelson go full Woody Harrelson. Yeah. Following up with Charlie saying, like, this is the appeal of this movie franchise for me, like right now, is the fact that it's not seeing Venom and symbiotes and CGI fights. It's literally Tom Hardy being on screen talking to himself yeah. and then doing voiceovers of the Venom symbiote is the craziest spectacle that I, I loved about the first movie. Love, let's. I'm turning into Jim. Uh, <laughs> that I liked about the first movie. It was great. Yeah, I liked about the first movie. Um, were those scenes of him? I mean, it, it was like Jim Carrey throwback, right? Like him yeah. going in the restaurant and getting in the lobster tank and doing all that stuff was a lot of fun. And that's what they give you in this trailer is they do it kind of it style by opening with just a scene uh, of the movie of him just preparing breakfast and Venom singing this song and, and making him his breakfast. And I love that. 
a lot of people fell off. I mean, I had people messaging me like, what are you like? Did you hit your head? Like, what's wrong with you? Like friends of mine being like, how could really? you for this? Oh, yeah. That's that's the fun of it. I yeah. either, you yeah. Like, that's hilarious. Oh, yeah. And but some people they could have not yeah. one fight in this movie and it would be awesome. But I, yeah, this I is what's, I mean, it could be literally just scenes of individually Tom Hardy talking to himself and Woody Harrelson talking to himself and then collective scenes of them talking to themselves together. All and that and, each other. Chen, and that's all you Yeah, need. and Mrs. Chen is a movie to me. You're like, yeah. I just love the translation stuff of like that half of it's like incomprehensible. And like that he has to translate constantly. Like rah, 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 rah. he's like, oh yeah, no, we had I, I love that reason, stuff. That line reading at the end of the trailer when Venom just yells, no, about the chocolate, like the way the way that that line is done. I, I lost it. It's such it's a so dumb good. thing. Oh, yeah, that was, was hilarious. So funny. And then it's just good to see. And in that moment, it's good because you see them like talking together for the first time because nobody can hear Venom but him. And so like, yeah, Venom's like, no. And he's like, we had a deal. <laughs> and that's like, you can see their personalities kind of blending. Oh and it's just it's about so chocolate. Funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just about chocolate. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I, I mean, look, I'm very I'm, passionate about chocolate myself. So right. Chocolate's awesome. I did appreciate <laughs> the elfness of that opening scene. That was a very like elf dish. He had. <laughs> oh yeah. Pancakes and everything. Uh, I will say, and, uh, I saw it in the, in the comments uh that crow yeah crow zero seven three one at least it showed carnage it didn't just tease it until it leaked i appreciated that because that is typically how these roll out is like they give you a glimpse and then you don't see it and it's like i did actually like that we got a full carnage thing so we can kind of rule that out we're good we saw him it's great and but the venom like the tom hardy venom that stuff the back and forth was was awesome i mean i just uh, that was something that the first trailer couldn't really do obviously and so from the first movie so like having the first movie didn't want to be that tom hardy just wanted to be that yeah right but like it's great i dug that oh that's what made it good yeah catch up what (laughs) (laughs) and i love that woody harrelson like just i don't know i want to be delicate about this woody harrelson feels like a crazy person in a good way like on screen he knows how to just be wild and weird and crazy and now he gets to like go follow tom hardy on that path from the first movie it's like it, i want it to become a game of wh- who's the next actor who's great at just breaking down on screen to join this like you watch what andrew garfield's done in like under the silver lake and this this new movie that he's got mainstream and he's really buying into this idea of being a crazy actor that really just knows the assignment and goes all in like what does he look like in this going you know like just get those actors that know how to get wild and there's endless possibilities for what venom can be i mean yeah so we also got one who i'm curious to see is stephen graham's character if you don't know who stephen graham is he's He's a great character actor who's played like, um, whatchamacallit, I, I always think Al Capone. Al Capone and Boardwalk Empire. So good. Yeah. And, you know, he's played a different kind of roles, but he's going to be well, Toxin in this, right? Uh, the police officer who gets a symbiote and Coxin. I'm really curious to see what he does with this kind of thing. And Naomi Harris, too. Yeah, Naomi Harris as a Shriek is, yeah. is going to be pretty good, too. So, as somebody pointed out in the comments, I mean, they could have called this Maximum Carnage because, yeah, I mean, this is basically what we're going to get. Is It looks like a big Ravencroft breakout and, you know, and then kind of madness in the streets and Venom. They're saving that for the third one. Yeah, unless yeah. It, it sets up Maximum Carnage. Yeah, they're saving that for the third one. They gotta be. 
Yeah, well, it seems like, I mean, I'm good. As somebody who really enjoyed the original Carnage storyline, because that's when I really got into comics. And, and specifically, I think that's the first issue of Amazing Spider-Man I ever purchased. Because my oh, older brother had a collection. Wow. Yeah, my, my older brother had a collection, but I purchased the first part of Carnage. was my first Amazing Spider-Man comic. Um, I'm psyched to see this. And like I said, both for the comic stuff, but also just seeing Woody Harrelson and Tom Hardy talking to themselves and trying to out ham each other is going to be glorious and by so. the way i'm sorry I, I feel like i uh i didn't mean to trample uh janelle because i don't think what, what did you think of the trailer oh I'm gosh you jumped fine. in there and cut you off i didn't mean i know i love how excited you guys are like i don't have as strong of a knowledge of these characters so of course like i'm going in very optimistic and i'm like sure let's go the first venom was not terrible in my opinion. Like I enjoyed it. So I'm really excited for the next one. And I, I love the humor and um, I think that it's really nice that they leaned into that. You can tell they did in the, the trailer and I, yeah, I think it's going to be really good. I'm curious. And I think a lot of other people are like Ian Grimm in the chat says, I'm so curious to see how they differentiate between the two characters on screen. I mean, besides color. Uh, Cause you know, we just saw the little like, things sticking out <laughs> of carnage, but like the teeth, like everything kind of looked sort of similar besides color. So I'm with you on that one. And well, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, symbiotes are symbiotes, right? So right. there is basically just color swaps for, yeah. for who they are. But I think what Ian Grimm is also referring to, and we, we should point out a big a, a l- amount of this hinges on how does Woody Harrelson and carnage, like what is their, relationship about and like what does that voice sound like and and how does it factor into like what Cletus Cassidy does because if that's not right in the same way that Tom Hardy nails the Venom thing then yeah you could have a bad villain but I think like Charlie said there's nobody that gets weird quite like Woody Harrelson from the Larry Flint movies to True Detective to everything in between that Woody Harrelson loves to get weird in natural Um, born killers man natural born killers like yeah somebody said uh, Monkey Jeebus said that they're hoping that the audience sees him as Mickey yeah. from Natural Born Killers. And, and a great not, throwback. Let's not forget, like a lot of this hinges too on Andy Circus. You know, Andy we all know Andy Circus has Gollum. Is the factor or, I don't know, think a lot of people remember in all this. You know, I don't know if anyone else watched Mowgli. Andy Circus is demented. So good, yeah. Like, there's a scene in Mowgli in, in the end of this movie. It's on Netflix. Um, and it is like dark and terrifying and it's it's played it made me feel like Andy Serkis has something up his sleeve for Venom because his mind can work in a very dark way that also knows how to kind of bring some levity to things it Mowgli kind of sets the stage for this and he's only done one movie as a director so who you know it's kind of hard to tell where he's going to go. It's not like when Jordan Peele made get out for his directorial debut, it's like, Oh, that's now one of our defining directors for the foreseeable future. You know, Mowgli was not that for Andy circus, but he, he showed a lot. And so I think that it can go in a million different directions, depending on kind of how Andy circus treats it. All right. Just to close out some commenters, Matthew Anderson, half send Josh, what's up said, uh, are asking, do you think we're going to get a Spider-Man or, or other kind of bigger universe cameos in this? Um, Andy circus. If you go on comicbook.com, Marvel, there is an article that Andy circus did an interview for, uh, right when the trailer dropped where he basically kind of said that this venom is still a standalone story. The characters are not aware of Spider-Man or Spider-Man's existence or anything else. 
but he kind of left that like with a weird, heavy, open-endedness that could suggest that by the end of this movie, maybe that's not the case. Maybe this movie is the beginning of Venom getting into larger things. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's true. We already have little Easter eggs. There's a Daily Bugle from Sam Raimi's Spider-Man universe that has a page that kind of teases tease mentions the Avengers in a fight. None of this makes Venom official MCU, but like, I feel like they're going to start to open this up a little bit. Right. You know, and tease it just enough to make sure that Venom wasn't a flash in the pan. They get two good movies, solid movies out. There's a franchise here. And then I think we'll start to see those connections come in. I think we'll I, I, don't, really, I don't know the rules, but like, could could Venom have its own Spider-Man? I don't know. I mean, this is I think all of this is still up in the air, really. And like I know the multiverse stuff. I feel like, it, like you said, it's very. Open. Yeah, I think it depends a lot on what's going on at Marvel Studios, what happens after Doctor Strange 2, after No Way yeah. Home, and like whatever. Yeah, I don't think we're going to hear much until those films are out, and then we'll begin to hear more about like mm-hmm. what what's the next phase of this. So that's my take on all of it. That's just speculation, but uh, I'd, I'd put a good amount of chips on that being the case. I, got, I, think, I, think if we see something, I think if we see anything, it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be like Carnage at the end of the first movie, where it is a tease to a character that as comic fans, we know, but it's not like a, Oh, here's Tom Holland. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We're going to keep an eye on it and there'll probably be another trailer. We'll be breaking down in the coming months as uh, you know, things progress with this film. All right. That is Venom. Let there be carnage. Now it's time to turn up with Charlie Ridgely. Charlie, these Army of the Dead, Zack Snyder, you know, we've all we were we went heavy on Zack Snyder's Justice League release. Now we're going to see uh, Snyder jump back into the, the quasi zombie genre with Army of the Dead. These reviews have come in. I think it's like 74 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, the initial wave. Uh, Charlie was our reviewer for comicbook.com. Charlie, the stage is yours. Give us a quick rundown of non-spoiler review. This will be non-spoilers of non-spoilers. Army of the Dead. Um, so I, not to be controversial, kind of wish that Zack Snyder would have spent more time with zombie movies over the years. Cause I think he's very good at it. Um, Dawn of the dead to me is still his best movie. And, uh, army of the dead is a really great follow-up to that. Uh, as you know, I'm again, trying not to be spoilery. It's a, it's a really exciting movie. It's a, he's got a lot of great action sequences kind of packed in there. Uh, and it's really interesting. It's something I didn't know going in. He shot this himself. He didn't have a cinematographer working with him. He was the director of cinematography for this movie. So not only did he direct it, he actually had the camera in hand shooting this film. Um, but all of the Snyder things that you've come to know as Snyder things are packed in here. I mean, there's a lot of slow-mo shots. There's a lot of needle drops with like, slow emotional covers of popular songs there's you know it's it's entirely too long like there's a lot of snyder <laughs> things oh wow but i they they work with this I, it Not is a little surprising. too long. It's, it's two and a half hours it, it's a little too long if this was like a 90 minute movie it, you would not be able to breathe through it because it, it is very tense but there's a lot of times where he stays on a scene you know way longer than a lot of other people would, but it's indulgent and it's fun in that, you know, my problems with some of the DC stuff with him is you kind of have this 
this seriousness to it, which I don't mind the seriousness at all. I like the seriousness, but it's kind of how you take this story of gods and men and this really, you know, how someone from this other planet, it, it just, it, it feels too bleak for what the characters are at times. And he kind of dwells in that bleakness instead of, instead of doing something different with it, instead of changing it up and having fun with it. And what I think he does really well in army of the dead and, and what army of the dead lends itself to is taking those a bleak world and a bleak story, you know, zombie outbreak in Vegas and, and letting it be crazy and fun and different. And again, that's not to say that seriousness is bad because this movie takes its subject and its world and its mythology really seriously. But when it's something like the zombies, you can just kind of get wilder with it. Whereas, you know, I don't know if it's because of the nature of Superman or the fact that Superman is an existing character that you have to kind of work around what's already been in place. This is just kind of wide open and all of Zack Snyder's tendencies that were often criticisms with the DC stuff. I think they're, they're perfect for something like army of the dead. It looks gorgeous. It's a, it's a big loud movie. Uh, but all of the characters are very interesting and the time that he spends with them is very, very intentional. Uh, it's really cool to watch Batista. I was talking to somebody on, with, uh, on Twitter about this, like Batista could have easily just kind of followed the rocks lead and taken roles where he gets to be the big guy and just gets to, you know, beat up on dudes and say quips and be the wrestler turned movie star. And that's not to say that the rock shouldn't done that. The rock's perfect in what he does, but Batista really wants to be his own actor and to grow as a performer. And he really showcases that in Army of the Dead. You know, he really has a chance to to bring some depth to things, to things, and add some layers to his arsenal. And uh, he's really fun to watch. Omari Hardwick, who uh, I don't know, I know everyone watching this watches Power. Omari Hardwick is an incredible actor, and he's he is oh, yeah. the most fun character in this to me. I love Omari Hardwick's character. I love Tig Notaro's character. Um, there are some weird things with Tig Notaro where, like, you could tell they had to they had filmed most of Chris Delia's stuff when they brought right. Tignataro in and it's kind of evident at times, but it works. Uh, she's impeccably funny. The whole cast works well together. You got to um, say that that's pretty impressive that. Oh, it's very impressive. In that much. Absolutely. And it still it's, it's works. It's very impressive. Yeah. Uh, you know, like there's a scene and they released it online. So this isn't much spoiler. It's a, it's a scene from earlier in the movie where they recruit Tignataro's character and you see uh, Dave Batista and uh, I can't remember the, the name of the, his character, Scott Ward, I can't remember the name, uh, Cruz is the other character. They walk up to a fence at like this helicopter base to recruit Tignataro and she's on the other side of the fence with the helicopters. And it was very clearly two different things that were shot in two different like places, but it was set up so, so well, like it, it, it was obvious, but in a way that didn't bother you, you know, because they really put the care into making it work. Um, you know, by the time you get to the third act, I think kind of drags a little bit, as it gets into the final action of it. Uh, but it's really exciting throughout. And the, the zombie mythology that's built in here is really interesting uh, because it's not just a simple zombie movie. And it's not like even world war Z where they're just fast and crazy. You have uh, some alpha zombies who are, they have control, they communicate, they have rules. Uh, they have a society kind of in, inside Vegas and they control these other zombies. And, I don't, I don't want to get anything else because there's so many more things that kind of like you get glimpses of through the movie and there's some things that aren't answered or addressed at all. You know, that's why they kind of announced these prequel things in the anime series because there is just so much to unpack. And I, I applaud Snyder for not wanting to dive into every single detail in this movie because 
I think that can be his tendency sometimes. And he, he did a great job of kind of restraining that and saying, okay, like let's leave this for something else. We can put hints here. And it, it's not one of those things where, Oh, all like this important questions unanswered. And I can't really appreciate this movie. It's just little details that you don't need to know to enjoy it. Um, it it's, it's probably my favorite Snyder movie since Dawn of the dead. Um, I really, really like what he does with the, uh, with the undead and with zombies. And I think just the nature of zombies being serious and deadly, but also like being kind of a ridiculous concept when you think about it is a great thing for Zack Snyder. It's a great thing to bring his tendencies and his vision to life because it has the best of both worlds. So, I mean, I highly encourage watching army of the dead. It comes out in, in theaters a week before Netflix. So like if there's a theater around you, that's playing it and it's safe or you're vaccinated or whatever. Like this, this is going to be a fun movie to watch on a really big screen. I mean, I watched it on my TV in my living room and that didn't feel big enough. So if you have a chance to see it in a theater, I I would suggest that just because it is so big and so fun. The zombie tiger school. And it's, it's hard to really dive into without talking about spoilers, but I have a whole review. What the hell are you talking you know? about? You've div- you've dived all over this thing. I dude. feel like I'm saying the same kind of stuff over and over <laughs> you feel, again. You feel like you're just giving a preamble I feel here? Like I'm going in circles. No, it's good. It's good. It's good. For anyone who hasn't read the review, like, oh, you know, we actually have a question. Um, is it better than the Snyder Cut? Asks Alex Cosman. Oh, boy. Don't get, don't get. I mean, Kofi I don't think it's kind of, I, no, I, We're I going to break it in a matter cut. I liked it. I, it wasn't my favorite thing, but I enjoyed it. I, I like this better. This is something I actively like I'm really into. And part of it was just my disconnection with after, after everything. Like I wanted the Snyder cut to, to exist. I'm glad it exists, you know, for Zach. Cause I think he, he earned that. Um, I'm never going to like be fully in love with a four hour movie. That comment is amazing, by the way. I think army army. Of the days is so there you have it. We're going to cut off here. JD right. Smith, digital artist has a great <laughs> Charlie, drink some water after that monologue. There you go. Y'all told me to talk. I did. You did, but I'm just amazed that you're like, I it feel like I'm not beautiful. saying that. It was beautiful. Oh, my God. All right. Got you back, Charlie. Charlie. That's Charlie. Great. Charlie likes Army our Army of the Dead. He thinks it's the best thing Snyder's done since Dawn of the Dead, and uh, he likes Zack Snyder back. More Zack Snyder zombie. zombie movies. All right. <laughs> there you have it. And uh, no, it's not a sequel. It's a standalone thing. Somebody asked, Chase DuVernay asked, is it a sequel? There no. will be prequels, though. Yes, they're going to have an anime prequel and stuff like that. Well, and there's a prequel movie that uh, Matthias Schwarzfer, the guy who plays uh, the safe cracker in the movie, he is in the prequel. And um, uh, uh, Natalie Emmanuel from uh, Game of Thrones and Fast and Furious, she's in the the prequel movie too. And our buddy uh, Joe, Joe's in it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so there's a bunch of people in the Joe prequel. Manganello's in it, yeah. So. Yeah. But, um, Matthias directed the prequel, not Snyder. Uh, which I didn't know they, but they already shot it and it's done at least done, you know, principal photography. Um, but there's a lot of things that will be interesting to talk about when it comes out because of the little hints that I'd like that I would love to talk about right now, but I won't like little things, you know, you're like, wait, that's a, that's a, that's its own thing. And it's completely unaddressed right. universe setup. That's what we there's a lot, there's a lot to dig into. All right. Oh. That'll do it for our army of the dead review. Thank you, Charlie. That comes out uh, this Friday on Netflix. No. So this Friday in theaters, May 14th, okay. May 21st on Netflix. Okay. So this Friday on theaters next Friday, Netflix. Mm, that's a good strategy. All right. We're going to take a break. And then when we come back, we are going to have a surprise guest hop on and, 
Stop it. The comments are just all, all just lit up today. Man, you guys are on one today. Um, yes, we are going to take a break and we come back. We're going to have somebody jump on and give us a early review of Spiral from the Book of Sauce. So don't miss that. I seriously wonder if that music will ever stop scaring me. Scares we can, yeah. Every time we come back, I'm like, I take a quick break. I look down, and then oh, that man. music just okay. freaks me out. Push my headphones but, on because I'm just I'm not connected at all. Oh man, yeah. Rich knows how to get our attention. Rich, thank you. Uh, well, back to our show. Let's bring on a special guest for our spiral review from the comic book editorial staff and our horror expert. Mr. Patrick, the Wolfman Kavanaugh is with us. Patrick! Everybody, hi, thanks for having me. I'm not that special, but thank you for the introduction. It's hey. a nice surprise. I, I didn't read the show notes because I didn't want to spoil myself, so I didn't know you were coming. Anybody on this? Charlie yeah. didn't read something? Oh, it was geez. purposeful. I wanted, I wanted to be surprised. Boy, the shots just keep coming for Charlie. I wanted yeah. to be surprised. Oh, um, I'm a writer, not a reader, Pat. Yeah, I mean, anybody on this staff who has survived this long is special. So, oh. Patrick's, uh, yeah, been here with us for a minute. Uh, it's been a long break since we've had you back on the show, man. So, it's good to have you back. And uh, you're here to give us a quick, spoiler-free, early review of Spiral from the Book of Saw. First, let's get some background. Patrick, how, like, well-versed are you in this? Did you stay through all the Saw madness, all the way through I, all the seven films, and then the reboot? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I checked on our own site to find that I ranked every saw ahead of Jigsaw. Uh, so that was 2017. So uh, when I watched them all then, I realized I never need to watch all of them ever again. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm familiar with them, but they're not necessarily something you need to go back to year after year to be like, oh, was... The was the the car trap with the guy from Lincoln Park getting his skin ripped off in four, or was it actually six, or was it three? It it, it doesn't matter. That's the most accurate kind of description of the Saw franchise I've heard of the late Saw franchise. Because yeah, I mean, I just go back and read the wikis. I, I I think I tapped out after four, and that last half about the disciple and all that stuff. Yeah, I tapped out. I came back for Jigsaw, which was interesting until it wasn't because it was just like a weird prequel tease but um i am curious about this so how does is saw is spiral from the book of saw the thing needed to kind of give this franchise a shot in the arm or is it going to be another flash in the pan like jigsaw well there's a, a lot of interesting things going on because this is from the book of saw but it's also from the mind of chris rock like he had a he met with the uh, head of Lionsgate at a wedding. I was like, you know, I really think the Saw movies are great, but they could use some jokes. Like, why don't they have any jokes in them? And so from that, it ended up being that Chris Rock like spearheaded this whole movie. He didn't he didn't uh, he didn't write it, but he was the executive producer, starred in it. So I think everybody was really confused and concerned, but excited about like is he just going to do a parody of saw? Like, is he going to make fun of the franchise? Like, what is it going to be? And it ended up being, no, it was, it's like 48 hours. It's like lethal weapon. It's like a buddy cop detective comedy. 
uh, n- not too much comedy, but it's it's a buddy cop murder mystery. And so, of course, Chris Rock is there and he is hilarious, uh, but he clearly has very much he has a lot of respect for the franchise. And that is is very clear that that's like the, the motivating factor of this movie. OK, so what would you say are is there anything notably novel or besides the humor or different about the actual sawness of it all? Or is it pretty much the same package, you know, what you're going to get? Kind of like McDonald's. <laughs> it is very much like McDonald's, um, except it's not so much a happy meal and you're probably not going to enjoy the prize you get. Uh, but no, I would say like the very the, the first hour. Definitely Thank you for like, carrying that analogy much further. Man, yeah, impressive. It very much feels more like something along the lines of seven. Like the first say hour is just this murder mystery, and you have these gruesome traps. Um, the as any Saw fan will tell you, everyone is going to be unsettled and grossed out by a very specific and different trap. So even if you don't like Saw 3, there might be something in there that just like really gets under your skin. So it's going to be the same thing with this. Uh, One big difference with the traps in this is it doesn't feel like there was someone with an engineering degree who was responsible for creating them. Like they're, they're definitely a little bit more rudimentary, a little bit more grounded, a little bit more believable that a, you know, sadistic killer could whip this up in a few hours, as opposed to spending years uh, and working with NASA to actually pull off. Um, (laughs) But for as enjoying uh, as enjoyable as that first hour is, I would say, one of the the traps, if you will, that the movie falls into is like Saw has taught you to never believe anything you're seeing because you never know who the killer is going to be, who's really dead, who's really alive, what timeline you're in. So there's all of these these uh, shocking twists that you're expecting. So then when you get to the back half and there are shocking twists you're not as surprised by them. It doesn't feel as fulfilling to watch that, that magic trick pulled off because you've seen it coming, just knowing that it is spiral from the book of saw. Saw has been Shyamalan, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. For a while. Yeah. It, it's, and that's the thing is uh, it's, probably from like the second movie, like what James Wan and Lee Winnell did with the very first movie, it, it still holds up. Like it's still super inventive. It was an indie movie. It, you know, uh, came out of nowhere. And then both James Wan and Lee Winnell, like Invisible Man, Aquaman, uh, Furious 7, like they, The Conjuring, Insidious, like they have defined the horror genre for the past two decades, basically. So it's cool to see that original movie and see the nuggets of that ambition. And this, this movie was directed by Darren Lynn Bousman, who directed saw two, three and four. And he, he does what he can. He takes it out of the darkness. He takes it out of the warehouse, out of the industrial basement. Like there's daytime scenes. There's people driving cars and having conversations. Like it's not this like, Uh, a miserable experience full of just killing time to get to brutal eviscerations or anything. So it is mostly enjoyable. And I think 
longtime fans will appreciate the way they bring a fresh perspective while honoring the past. Whereas people like me who aren't devout Saw fans will probably just enjoy the, the first half of the movie. I was muted. All right. Well, all right. That's pretty interesting. Uh, synopsis sounds like kind of a mixed bag. Would you rate this? My final question is, would you rate this over or under jigsaw? Um, for me, what it comes down to is there's saw there's spiral and then everything down here is just a roll of the dice. It's nice. all the same. It's all interchangeable. I don't care. It's it's <laughs> it's like ranking, you know, letters of the alphabet. You know, it's like this case would say high praise. That's high praise. Exactly. Just in the words of Nicholas Cage. Yes. <laughs> Um, but I mean, it's, it's, uh, I would say spiral obviously is a big, uh, big ticket movie for horror fans that's coming out. I do, however, want to plug next week. Uh, if you're looking for something a little off the radar, a little, uh, uh, more obscure that you should check out seance, which is coming out on VOD next week. And that's from the writer of your next and the guest. And it's a, it's a really fun, like, murder mystery haunted house uh at a boarding school that uh, i think people should should definitely check out if you're deciding between spiral or something on uh on tv do that seance all right well patrick thanks a lot for breaking that down and giving us some good context and perspective on uh spiral the book of saw and how it fits with the uh, saw franchise and that whole experience we appreciate that man thanks for having me Thanks. All right. So moving right along, that was Patrick. He had no interest in talking about the rest of the stuff we're going to discuss today. He was gone. Yeah, yeah. He just came in. He popped in for the cameo. We have twists and cameos in this show now. <laughs> so moving right along, we are now going to get into uh, Jupiter's Legacy, uh, the new Netflix series based on Mark Millar's series. Uh, Mark Millar, who wrote Kingsman and Kick-Ass and what's the other big things that Civil we've done? War. What's up? He wrote Civil, Civil War. Yeah. Civil yeah. War. Yeah. Civil, you know, the original Marvel Civil War. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Jupiter's Legacy. And I think this one is interesting and we're going to talk spoilers about this. I, I've seen the first spoilers. four episodes. Matt's seen five. Janelle's seen maybe four or five, I think. I actually finished the whole thing. Nice. Oh, wow. Yeah. And Charlie, have you seen it all? Oh, I quit after the first one. No way. Wow. Okay. <laughs> this is going to get good. All right. So Jupiter's Legacy, when we did the trailer, we discussed this briefly and we were all kind of like, eh, like, you know, it wasn't bad, but we've felt like we've seen this before, right? Like we saw heroes and, you know, this wasn't quite the boys or something like that. And we were kind of just like, you know, and it came out and it was in the same kind of time when invincible was being hyped and we were like eh, eh, you know like this feels like a retread without being very interesting um i'll start by saying since i had those low expectations and like i said we're gonna talk spoilers for jupiter's legacy since we had low those low expectations going in i was actually a little pleasantly surprised by this series i don't think it's like the greatest thing ever but I was pleasantly surprised by the level of intrigue it was created. I did not read the comic series. I am not like the biggest Mark Millar fan. So I, I kind of jumped off his work year about the same time I 
jumped off of Frank Miller's work years ago. Um, but yeah, it has enough intrigue in the first four episodes and good enough characters that it's carrying me more as like a mystery drama than a superhero show. Um, but it's enough to keep me going because I like the way the story's told. And then there's these flashbacks about, you know, if you haven't checked it out, it's about this. It's basically about Superman. This guy named the utopian. And now he has a family. He has a super wife. He has two super kids. And he's this kind of ideal superhero with a code and all this stuff. But the world is changing. Villains are getting crazier. His kids are struggling to find their place in his shadow. And that's kind of the modern story. And then there's this flashback story to the events of how the utopian and, and his family kind of got their powers and the mystery of that. Uh, and that's what's kind of propelling season one. And this show does a good job. Netflix has a whole venture with Mark Millar. They're building this whole Millar world. And I feel like the show also does a good job, almost like HBO's Watchmen, not as insightful or serious, but does a good job in the world building is, is interesting. There's a bunch of side characters, a whole kind of celebrity superhero generation that are like the bratty kids of Hollywood, you know, these other kind of villains and stuff that feel like they're all going towards a larger purpose uh, in some really great kind of side characters from just common street crooks to, you know, yeah, different people in the flashbacks. And there's a whole world here, it feels like. And, and it has been able to successfully pull me in. How about you guys? Janelle, let's start oh, with you gosh. because you... Finish the whole dang thing. Yeah, finish the whole dang thing. Um, yeah. Don't spoil it for me and Matt, but... Uh, okay. I won't spoil. I will just give my opinion uh i thought it was going to be way more wholesome i really thought it was going to be kind of like a uh a little like lighter on on you know topics and (laughs) i'm trying not to spoil actually charlie this is really hard (laughs) to not spoil um but i was actually pleasantly surprised it was a little heavier than i expected we have a spoiler warning on the thing. You can. I know. Okay. Okay. Um, just don't spoil the ending for me and Matt because right. we're, we're watching. Yeah. I think that for me, the, it is extremely interesting in the flashbacks. I'm obs- I'm very dedicated to the backstory of how they got their powers um, that is what kept me coming back. I didn't really care about the now, and I didn't really care about the the family dynamic and the sister. She's off doing whatever she's doing. I just didn't really care. But the flashback and how uh, they got through like the Great Depression and you know the visions that he was having and that lead role and it was it was done really well. I think and um, I. I will say the first episode did not suck me in because, and I think it's because I didn't have enough of those flashbacks. Um, By the second episode, I got more of that, you know, from the past. And it was, it was really exciting to watch that kind of unfold because I was just curious, like how, and my only criticism is that they just talk about the code so redundantly. It's just like, it's just, if you're binge watching this show, it's, the code, the code, the code, but the code, the code, the code. And it's just kind of like, okay, just get back to the story of like how you got your powers and, you know, why the word Jupiter is in the title. <laughs> like that's pretty much, and I enjoyed it. I really did. Um, I'm probably going to rewatch it again 
with more of a critical eye because my fiance didn't get to watch it and I binged it and he really wants to check it out. So I will, I will definitely uh, go in. Oh, I feel sorry for you, Janelle. I really liked it, but I also really like a couple of those actors a lot. So I like just seeing them in general. But yeah, I was, I don't know. It wasn't terrible. I, I just, I'm going to say the real hook with me was I like the fight in the first episode. Uh, that's where they fight the kind of Hulk or dark side. They fight against not dark side. Yeah. yeah. Um, I liked that actually. That, that kind of turned me on to, okay, this show actually will have action chops in it and violence. Like, whoa, like, you know, this will get heavy with the violence. But it was where I realized that I was most interested in a what is essentially a knockoff Batman Superman story um, that really kind of hooked me is because the utopian Superman and there is a character who they reference in the first thing lightly. But as the flashbacks go on, if you are a comic book fan, you begin to realize like, oh, OK, like this dude's Bruce Wayne and, and like, you know, in this universe and is going to become Batman. The guy in the first episode that he ran into outside of the bank before the, the stock market fell apart. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 and that's like, I, know that, I know that face. He's got a bigger George, role coming. Right? You're talking about, George. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, now this is interesting. And just seeing that whole kind of Batman Superman dynamic and knowing that it, where it's going to lead because they tease it was is also what's kind of keeping me hooked through these episodes. Secondly, I don't know his name, but my boy with the uh, teleporting wand is like, oh, yeah, he's good. Yeah, I, every time he's on screen, show. yeah, like I, I'm like, yeah, I think his name is Hutch. Yeah, he uh, was great. Yeah. George Hutch, Kidd. Like, Ian, Ian I loved Ford. that actor, yeah. too. And that yeah. was the reveal we just got, like, at the end of episode three or four, is like, oh, he really is tied into all of this. And he has a teleporting stick in the ways that he just... Because he seems like he's a low-level threat in the beginning, and, like, he has all these heavy people. And then there's just this great episode in this turnaround scene where he just, like, calmly demonstrates that, like, no, yeah, I'm one of the most powerful people in this in this whole get up and you're like whoa and he's a great actor and well and, and if you like him good. you're going to absolutely love episode five. Oh, awesome I hope <laughs> it is. I hope it's like, there's so much delight so okay so two things one uh because i saw jim reference it in the chat uh when they announced like when when millard did this whole deal there are several books that i was pulling for to be made and one of them is being made now ahead of jupiter's legacy um so like the magic order which is like one of my favorite uh series is being developed for netflix that's the one i really want i also really want prodigy both of those series are fantastic and that is millar at his best so if you do want to read those series like i suggest you go get those now because those are fantastic and those will be coming to netflix at some point so that was one of the things when like this was announced i was like oh, they're starting with that one <laughs> the one I'm least interested in. Um, and then after that dud of a trailer, I was not very high. I was not very high on the series. Um, but what I will say is I think, man, probably because the bar was low because I came in without huge expectations. Uh, the, the first episode is a bit of a grind, but probably by like right, maybe past the 75% mark through that episode, I was I was in like, I wouldn't say it's like it was, you know, I have to watch it right now, you know, that kind of thing. But I was like, I, I want to keep going. I want to learn more about these characters. I want to learn more about this world. And to me, honestly, this is one of the shows that really benefits from binging. I can if this was a weekly release, I would probably have dropped it 
just because other stuff comes in or whatever. Binging, I feel helps. DVR for sure. Binging helps this because because I went right into the next one. The second episode is what really hooked me, and and I'm I mean I've been watching these pretty uh, you know back to back to back uh, as life permits. And I'm glad that like I can go finish like I'm on the final episode. I'm glad I can go finish and really like this show has hooked me and it has issues like there's the way and mine actually aren't with most of the storytelling. Mine isn't really with the pacing. My issues are more with like the way things are shot. It's it's weird. Like we're, we're so used to superhero action being so fluid now. And so feels like it le- like jumped right out of the comic that here it's so weird to like see them it hover so and like ugly. they approach the ground and it's like that looks so awkward why does that look awkward <laughs> why does the when they throw a punch or when they get ready to throw a punch everything is like it, it's like 2000s superhero stuff where it was like kind of waiting for things to catch up you know the tech wasn't quite there the wire work wasn't there it's weird how the fights still have that kind of feel to them where we are now. And they put a lot of money into this. So, you know, like it's, it's shot. Well, it looks nice. Like there's money. Right. So I'm kind of like, why is that the case? So that always kind of takes me out sometimes of the middle of really thrilling fights where it, cause it just looks, <laughs> it looks off. But as far as the, the narrative, when they really start planting the, you know, how utopian and how the rest of the group, got their powers and the quest to go find them, you know, as things turn out, right. That stuff. And like the issues with his dad and like seeing his dead father, you know, like in his video, all that stuff is really good. I, I really enjoyed it. And especially as we get further into the series, the stuff with him and George, uh, you know, like that stuff and that relationship and seeing where, how that started and seeing how it got to the end and seeing where, you know, his son, how Hutch kind of plays into it. Um, I agree. I think the, I will say like, I think Utopian probably can stand right there with Reed Richards <laughs> and Xavier as like worst superhero dad. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, he's always saying the wrong thing. And I did love though. There's a reveal. Uh, I think it was in episode five, but if it, if it, I don't want if it was episode four, I don't want to say if it's in episode five, cause I'm going to spoil things, but essentially there's a reveal of like, who Utopian is talking to. And that was really interesting. Like there's a lot of really cool swerves uh, in this. And Big I, swerve in last episode too. And it's rewarding. Okay. So like, like you're like, oh, okay, now I, I need to know what's going to happen next. I think they do that really, really yeah. well. Like by the end of each episode, I was like, yeah, I got to watch. I got to watch the next one. They do a really good job of that. I agree that the kids and like their issues with the dad and like the code, but the code gets addressed in a really cool way in I believe episode five. So like, again, most of the stuff that was either annoying me or kind of, you know, I was unsure about ended up getting resolved or at least addressed in some way that was satisfying to me. So I, I, yeah, I really dig this series and I, I'm, I'm excited to finish it. Um, I, I did not plan. I did not see this coming. I would not say this is Batman Fortnite levels of like, Oh my God, it's so good. How the hell is it this good? But I will say, like, I was really I'm really intrigued. And like, if they do a season two, I'm in. I'm probably in unless the finale just blows me somewhere where yeah, I'm just I'm like, I don't in get for, it. for season two, just with how they left it, for sure. Yeah. The magic order, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So there you have it. Jupiter's Legacy. Charlie, you said you didn't make it past episode one. Just come on. Talk was, to your I mean, 
I've been told by everybody it gets better in, in the latter half of the season. I don't have time for that. This the writing is bad. It, it is it is a dull looking thing, which is so frustrating because the best thing about the comic is Frank Quitely's art, and they didn't bother to bring over like any sense of his style or color or possess like none of that made it to the show. The like, what is that awful beard? It's so fake and terrible. Even in the flashbacks, like there's like mid flashbacks, we just kind of has some gray hair. Like it, it all looks bad. There's a well, scene in the first episode where Josh Demel's father jumps off a building, and I have not laughed so hard in years. The way that he screams, like, nah! it was so absurdly overacted and terribly written. <laughs> I'll be right down. And he, ju- oh my God, it was, I've, it was one of the pilots I've had a hardest, the hardest time watching. Like everything in it was just another reason for me to not keep watching it. I will I was, say, I don't I was agree that bad. It was Whiteley bad. Is the best part of that though. I will say. Mark, Mark Miller agree. is Frank a, a great, the best part of anything. I, I don't love, I don't, that's, that's I, the never thing, liked I don't that like, and even I in don't new X-Men, like I didn't how <laughs> Mark Miller tells a story he he's one of the best idea people in comics but execution wise he always has these grand ideas and never exactly knows how oh, that's to, so untrue i that's i so just untrue. i disagree yeah. i think that i think that matthew vaughn has done us all a giant disservice by making mark millar look good well Those kick-ass, that kick-ass and kingsman were great movies and because of that, Mark Miller got a big Netflix deal that I don't think is going to turn out quite well over the years because Matthew Vaughn is not making the stuff. That is it's so just, reductionist. Mm, yeah, no. I, I, oh, I, don't, I don't. This is what people fantastic. come to this podcast for. First arcs of Kick-Ass are great. I, I love the original Civil War. I will also say, like, there's. I, I, I think there's Civil War pretty good. I think Civil War is pretty good. I'll, I'll, I'll be with you there. I think the Kickass comic isn't bad. We just want Nemesis. That's Nemesis that's is great too. It's just yeah, tied that's up. What in we're here for? That's what we're here for. Limbo. But yeah, Nemesis is fantastic. Too. Like, I'm sorry. Like he, his work, his comic work, it cannot be reduced to just like, oh, it's just great ideas. Like there are. He does have duds. Don't please don't like dig, get me wrong, but like that's too far to me. No, he's I, I, Mark Miller has like like uh, Kofi said he has had a very Frank Miller esque career where it's like oh you had a good thing, and then you just got with the ideas and you got too far in them and now you don't know what to do with them and it just isn't coming across the way you think it is and it all kind of feels lackluster for the last fifteen years and. It just, I don't know. It, it doesn't work for me. Most of what he has written, I mean, Reborn started off so good. We're the first like three or four issues of Reborn that he made with. Uh, oh, I love Reborn. Uh, what, what was the, 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 it's the so artist? Good. Um, it's Capullo. Capullo, yeah. It was, yeah, it's and, and the first three, and then the end is trash. It has uh, the, one of the um, worst endings. Okay, well, we could be uh, on this all day, so we are not. We could have this. It started okay. great. Yes, it started great. It's it not trash. Great. Also, yes, Jim. I don't like his artwork. I never have. And we disagree on JR too. And I don't like his artwork either. Yeah. No, I don't think I've ever heard somebody say, I got to go back to that Frank Quietly book and, and just take in the visuals again. Like, no, I mean, 
It makes me. It's, apparently, it's one, apparently it, I can't be taken seriously because I have toys on my shelf. Yeah, so. I, that was a hilarious comment, by the way, about uh, <laughs> the toy. <on> <laughs> I love <laughs> Jim. Jim's all caps reactions are amazing, by the way. Oh, uh, good lord! All right, well, we're gonna not settle this here, but uh, Jupiter's Legacy. I think the consensus is if you can make it to episode two, <laughs> and you can get in, it, it starts to kind of pick up a little bit. But uh, still, I mean, I think our original statement still holds true. This is just. This may be too middling to to really kind of get the purchase it needs, right? Like it, it just feels like it's going to be here. People will, some people will enjoy it, and then it'll be gone and without much hype. Whereas it's going to get lost behind Invincible, The Boys, these other superhero series that are that are out here for us. So I'm going to finish it because, uh, like I said, I've been enjoying what I see. But um, yeah, I'm going to be interested to see how this Malar thing unfolds. All right, now that we've already started throwing grenades about comics, Matt, we might as well get into this week's books. Yeah, uh, so I'm going to let's get started. Well, actually, let's get started with let's stay on. Um, let's go with DC. I'm gonna I'm gonna change this out because I know Janelle is a big Future State fan, so we are going to be talking about Future State Gotham, which of course uh, is a series that spins out of uh, actually surprisingly uh, the. I was kind of expecting more short stories is actually just mostly one longer story about the red hood. So if you were keeping tabs on red hood during future state and what he was doing and how he's kind of working with the magistrate by hunting other vigilantes, um, that's where we pick up from here. Um, There's not a ton of, uh, of like recap here. So like to me, like if you weren't reading, future state you're probably going to be like completely lost uh of like what's going on they do a little bit of of recap but not not a ton um to give you kind of the context here but uh it's also all black and white and uh that actually surprised me because again like the covers it's like all in color and they didn't really go out of their way typically dc goes out of their way to kind of um and marvel too to kind of spotlight like hey this is going to be you know like a very like kind of throwback uh, black and white book and they didn't really do that here so again a couple different expectations <laughs> turned upside down when reading this uh but it's just continuing his story so i mean um you find like they address ravager and him and things that have happened there you also kind of see uh why he's working with um the magistrate you don't necessarily get all the answers yet uh and then that kind of final page hook uh is to I guess kind of bring some of those to light next month. So um, that's kind of the recap of the issue. I mean, I, it wasn't what I was expecting. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. So kind of going into it, I was a little, I was excited because I really like what they did with Gotham and Batman, the Batman world in general and future state. And I was a little let down. Um, and the, and the second story that's in there is really in no way related <laughs> to too much of anything. Uh, so that one was also like, uh, I would have rather, have gotten another backup story set in the future state world about, you know, Oracle or about Cassandra or Stephanie, like some, someone else that was in that world. Uh, but you know, who knows? So Janelle, what did you think? Uh, I hate being neutral. I hate not having like a really big opinion, but I just, it was, it was, it was okay. It was there. Uh, I didn't hate the black and white at all. I, I, and I understood what was going on. I followed. Um, I guess it's uh, it's a first issue, right? So it's supposed to suck me in. Is that what yeah. we've discussed? Um, yeah. I'm intrigued, but I'm not super pumped. I'm not like, yeah, I got to read everything on this. But 
You know, very, I'm neutral on it. I'm glad I read it, but if I hadn't, it's okay. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's, it's pretty good. Yes. Hand up, Charlie. Yes. Yes. We just, just some breaking news came across. I know we sometimes <gasps> do this. Uh, the next person was cast in Knives Out 2, joining Dave Batista and Ed Norton and Daniel Craig. And it's Janelle Monet. Hey! Unite! Oh, be a her. weird film, man. That's going to be amazing. Weird. Sorry, yeah, really weird. That's Dude. amazing. I'm actually pumped about that. <laughs> that's great. Janelle Monae is awesome in it. That cast just keeps um, getting better, man. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Anyway. Um, no, that's it. I, that's my show. Yeah, that <laughs> Kofi, what'd you think? Matt, did you touch on like why this book has no like color in it? It was just like DC's leftovers? Uh, yeah, I, I actually don't know. I don't know actually know why it doesn't because that was my thing. I don't dislike it. We've talked about some of the anthologies like Batman Black and White, obviously, and some other yeah. things that like I like it. Um, but typically, again, like I know ahead of time, like I know going into the issue what I'm getting. So here it was just kind of a surprise. Maybe I missed the announcement or maybe I missed the thing of like, hey, why this is that way? I don't know. Did you? pick up on on something of why or was that just i just felt like this was like future state leftovers they were just like eh we did some work on it get it out there (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah we moved past this whole thing but yeah get it out there we'll see what we get um but um no i mean i've been interested i think of future state that whole thing the batman world was the most interesting part of it and it's still relevant because the main batman books are starting to build that up and we're and we're actually heading towards that future state event that we read about the magistrate and the peacekeepers and all that stuff. And so this stuff is still relevant. And I could see why they would put it out just to give you an expanded preview of like where Red Hood is going and, you know, what's going to happen in these once the magistrate really becomes a thing. So I read it and I like Jason Todd's character. I still don't think this is anything new for him. This whole like undercover thing is like, okay, this is obvious. He's still just Jason Todd. uh, And he's still going to be somewhat semi-conflicted with the Batman family and still kind of doing his own thing. So there's nothing really new here. Um, I I really would like to find something new for this character for the brief moment. I thought like, Oh man, he really is a peacekeeper. Like that was interesting. Like Jason was really hunting the Batman family. Like that would be interesting to me. Um, so there's not quite, they still, I don't think DC, I think Red Hood is the Boba Fett of the DC universe. Like he looks real cool. He's iconic. His story is kind of iconic, but what to do with him actually in the storytelling is still difficult and escapes DC in large part. Um, I mean, <laughs> we saw what happened in the three jokers thing when they tried to include him and it just got weird with Batgirl, right? Right. Like, yeah. It, and that was like the most relevant Red Hood story in the past few years because of his past with Joker and all that stuff. But um, yeah, I feel like they don't know quite what to do with him, but I would love to see a story where that stops being like an undercover thing. And he actually, whether it's, you know, through coercion and brainwashing or just for some legitimate organic character development reason is really the guy hunting the Batman family, because that adds an element of danger and, and, you know, he'd be really formidable in that way. So agreed. No, agreed for sure. And uh, I feel the same way on that character. Um, it feels like they don't want to go one extreme or the other because they they don't want to go too far one way because they want to make him redeemable. Right. They want to make him that they don't want to alienate people from him either way. But you kind of have to like like they learned with Hal Jordan to get any movement. They have to alienate some people 
to push the character into interesting directions. Uh, so next we're going to talk Marvel uh, book. I was very excited for uh, X Corp uh, is the number one is the brand new addition to the X-Men, the growing X-Men universe. Um, you can check out my full uh, long winded review <laughs> on comicbook.com. So I won't take up uh, too much time here, but essentially this puts uh, Warren Worthington, the third angel and Monet St. Croix uh, M or penance now, uh, as she is called. And they are essentially for those who kind of remember the X corporation, uh, from back in the day, uh, this is kind of taking that same concept, but very much it, it, it makes a lot of sense with the way this kind of post Krakoa society is with the X-Men. Um, it fits right. They're not just branching into pharmaceuticals, but they're also branching into trade with like the Hellfire Club. And here it's kind of like, well, here's all these other business ventures that we can kind of influence and, and push into um, and also further the goals that we have. And so they are kind of going to be leading uh, this charge. And there's going to be some other people that get trinary and multiple man as well, who multiple man steals the show uh, a lot uh, in all of his scenes. Um, I just love these books that kind of play with, uh, I described it as kind of taking a little bit of like West wing, the walk and talks that they do are fantastic. And then taking a little bit of like billions and some of the corporate, um, you know, drama and intrigue there kind of, going to all these different countries, there's an international feel here. Uh, that's really interesting. And it's something that Marauders does with all the political intrigue and stuff. And it balances with like big action. And here it's kind of going for the same thing. Uh, so I, I think it got off to a really fun start. I really dug it. Um, but uh, you know, what did you guys think? I'll go first. I I'm really interested to see where it's going. I, again, I don't have the biggest background in X-Men. We all know this, uh, but I didn't feel totally clueless. And I actually really enjoyed this book. I'm super interested in Angel, uh, this character that I don't know a lot about. And um, I think they did a good job of being really intriguing here. Um, I just, I love the like bold coloring and the art. And uh, yeah, I'm excited about this. This might be one of my first like X-Men that I'm really pumped about. Yeah. Yay! Yay! We got Janelle on an X book. <laughs> Ironically, X Corp and Way of X are the two that like we got Janelle. I did yeah. not <laughs> see that coming. Uh, Kobe, what'd you think? Marauders is eight. Um, yeah, I'm I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum here. I thought this was boring as hell. Like in this new X Men world, I know there's a lot to build, and I and kind of the nature of their setup of having their mutant nation of Krakoa actually be its own real sovereign nation with all the kind of political, social, and, you know, economic impacts that come with it. And this is dealing with one aspect of that, which is, you know, the, the public image, the economic part and kind of, you know, what it says, it's, it's a mutant corporation, right? Um, using these two very, affluent and this was the hook that i thought was the most interesting thing was putting these two affluent characters together uh monet and warren worthington who come from you know the upper case of society and their respective societies before you know all this mutant stuff and i but it, it was just it was a talkie like it was very much a talkie like you said it was very west wing sorkin with kind of quippy conversations mm -hmm. and stuff like that but yeah, I mean, I found it really kind of just ultimately boring and, and kind of a slog to get through as a first issue. And I, I, it doesn't sustain me on like, what is the actual appeal of having this book month to month? Like, 
and I don't think it yet has enough of a unique quirky identity to, to kind of compete. Like that's Marauders, like Marauders made a whole issue of just saying goodbye to storm into this quirky, awesome conversation and flashback in storm anthology story built around how many knives does she have hidden on her person? Like Marauders does this stuff. That's like, wow, I've never seen an X-Men comic do this. And it fleshes out the actual world in minute details of this new Krakoa house of X era, but it does it in a much more interesting way. This doesn't feel like it's as interesting, like for a mutant corporation seems kind of cut and dry and kind of boring so far. Uh, and Monet, who is, and Monet has always been kind of a weird fall flat character for me. Oh, okay. That uh, and, also makes sense then. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not digging the werewolf thing. Like this is Wolf Bane, Wolf Spain territory with her and Penance. And like, it's, it's not as good as Hulk. It's not as good as Wolf Spain. And it's like, that's not Monet. I want to see, I want to see Monet step and be step up and be more like Emma Frost in like more like. I'm a badass, like uppercase, wealthy, elite, you know, and a mutant and like a beauty queen, but I'm also a monster, like, you know, and embrace all that and see her kind of move and shake things in the corporate world. Like X Corp coming in and just, you know, muscling in corporate world and be like, nah, we're doing things differently. Like that would be interesting to me and kind of taking on. And I don't feel like the book doesn't quite have the teeth in that way that it that it could have yet. No, I totally, I, I get that. Uh, I, I like the Monet stuff that she, you know, was dealing with um, because like in previous stories with her, right, we kind of saw that slow change over to like having some of those abilities and kind of moving over to where she couldn't control certain things or they were kind of uh, bringing other elements to her character other than just, which I adore Emma Frost. She's one of my favorite characters, but I also don't want Monet to be like, diet emma frost right i want her to like have some other i thought this was interesting i want to see what they do with it going forward um it is a talkie like there's not nearly as much action in this as there would be in like a marauder's book but i also think we can get there um and i think at some point we can kind of have those moments of just like this issue was literally a seinfeld episode about nothing right it was about one person for sure right but Um, i but it helped me understand what was happening for sure Agreed. Um, so yeah, so that's uh, the side of the X-Men world. Uh, there were a couple other books, uh, and you can check out all of our uh, reviews on comicbook.com, but that's comics. All right, that's the end of our main show. Before we get out of here, um, I just want to do some quick mentions. Uh, I'm going to talk, me and Charlie have been talking in our own side chat for the past couple of weeks about Mayans, uh, the Sons of Anarchy spinoff, just completed season three, and I've said it to Charlie before. I think he's finally started to come around to me. I enjoy Mayans more than Sons of Anarchy. And I love Sons of Anarchy. I, I was a Sons of, like a big fan of that. But I think Mayans, I think Kurt Sutter has begun to grow more as a storyteller and in kind of developing this as like a weird sequel series to Sons has a lot more to say and, and does a lot more thematically with this series and the characters and the complexity of the men in this gang than, than Sons was. Um, and this season has been great. And I was kind of wondering how they would deal with like the pandemic and, you know, the political, social, political reality of things. And they did a great job of not letting that stuff and being heavy handed about it, but using that backdrop to kind of organically push these characters into a more desperate 
situation and world. It all feels very real and very grounded in, in at least the, you know, how they like, like the stuff like it's, it's a border town. So everything dealing with the border and with immigration and, you know, how that has been handled over the past few years. Like it all is very real in this world and not in a way like, like Kofi said, doesn't feel heavy handed. It, it is just, it's very real for these characters because it's the life they've always lived in dealing with things they've always dealt with, but now with a much more heightened, you know, sense of, of panic and, and, and uh, danger, you know, with it being so prevalent. So, yeah, I mean, and Mayans, I'm in the middle of going through the last episode now, Charlie's seen it, but uh, yeah, the penultimate episode was, whew, that was some pretty intense TV. Yeah. One of the harder of both shows, one of the harder episodes to watch. I mean, I watched, I've been behind about other things to watch, and I watched most of season three yesterday. I think I watched like seven hours of Mayans last night, and uh, I do not recommend that. This show is very painful. It is a, I mean, I recommend the show very, very much, but like this season, especially is, is sorrow and, and dealing with the consequences of your actions and the choices of people that came before you. And it's just, there are times when it just feels helpless and that's frustrating, but also like, that's a reality for a lot of people. And it really kind of drives that home and, I think that this show pound for pound through three seasons is much better than Suns was through three seasons. You know, this, it did have the added, you know, benefit of coming after Suns, but um, it it also, like Kobe said, it really is dealing with the complexity of these characters in ways that Suns had so much focus on one or two characters. And then a little bit with all these other guys, whereas this really dives into each of the characters and gives them, like their own time. I mean, there's this character named, named Taz uh, or Taza who had almost nothing going on the first two seasons. And now he's like a main character. Coco is dealing with like, it deals with addiction. It deals with, you know, with PTSD really heavily with easy uh, uh, Danu, Danu, the plug, the pug. Uh, it's on Hulu. Uh, every episode of the whole series is on Hulu to watch. Um, you're asking where to stream it there in the comments. Um, it, it is a heavy show, but it is, it is really good. I really think that, you know, Kurt, Kurt Sutter left ahead of season three. And I think that you can see the differences. I think what he was doing with the show was excellent, but you can see the differences in Elgin James, the show are really taking it as his own uh, and making it like more about those, those guys. It just whew. quick. It's, mentions. It's quick mentions. Here we go. So Mayans, watch Mayans. There we go. On the other side, uh, I just want to plug, we're getting a new Dragon Ball Super movie finally. Dragon Ball Super is moving. We're getting a new movie in 2022. It's going to be original. They're going to do more reinvention. Will we ever get a series again? I don't know. We'll see. But uh, yeah, so that was it for my quick mentions. Matt, you had a couple things you wanted to mention? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so not too Hollywood. Aha! See? I follow people. <laughs> I did it. Uh, so, uh, quick mentions, uh, real quick. Uh, you did it in front Creed, of a camera, Hollywood. <laughs> Assassin's Creed Valhalla has a its first expansion, Wrath of the Druids. Uh, you will see my full impressions uh, and review of the uh, new content later today. Uh, so, check the site for that. Uh, but you know, we head to Ireland, and I'm not going to do an Irish accent because I would not put that on everybody so but i will say we head to ireland uh there's some cool some some new mechanics and some new things introduced into the game also uh lichens 
Oh man, that's awesome. Like there's some really cool stuff uh, that's in there. Uh, but again, it's also more of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. So if you didn't like that game, I don't know if this will win you over. Uh, and then next, uh, Hood Outlaws and Legends uh, is the new 4v4 um, Robin Hood style game where you're picking different classes and you're trying to uh, get to the vault and get the treasure and you're like having to pickpocket uh, pick the Sheriff of Nottingham. Um, it does not, kind of like we talked about with Outriders, it does not make the best first impression. There was some of that, I can't get through the opening screen. I can't get a match to start. I had to restart the tutorial because literally in the middle of the tutorial, the first thing you interact with was like, nope, error. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I, can't, I can't do this. But after several matches now, it, it does hook you. There's a really interesting loop there. So uh, you can see uh, my impressions on that game probably sometime uh this week uh so we kind of got we got stuff late on that one so uh <laughs> i'm trying to work my way through it as fast as possible uh so yeah so that's quick impressions for that all right thanks matt that'll do it for this episode of comic book nation we want to thank you guys for tuning in as always we put up new episodes every wednesday live on twitch facebook and youtube at 12 noon if you like the show, you can watch us there. If you miss the show, you can replay on any of those platforms after we're done or listen on streaming or uh, download the episode audio on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts, or tell any smart home device to fire up Comic Book Nation podcast. If you want to follow the show, you can follow us at the at Comic Book Nation Twitter handle, or you can check us out individually. I am at Kofi Outlaw. I am Matt Aguilar, CB. I am at Janelle Wheeler. And I'm at Charlie Ridgely. Thank you. I didn't expect that to go so quickly or so smoothly, but uh, thank you. All right. If you like the show, go on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. Otherwise, we will see you next Wednesday. If you want some more comic book content, check out our Phase Zero podcast, our Marvel podcast on Fridays. Thank you guys for tuning in again. This has been Comic Book Nation. We're out.